welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air, online, seven days a week, basically. Yeah, of course. Well, that's because when you go to www.centerlefttalkradio.com, you will find two links. One of them is the key to our assertion of perpetual presence, as it were, 7-24-7, actually, and that is uh, the second link, which is our radio loop. And essentially, that basically is this show running in a loop form from a separate computer here in the studio, and it's running 24-7. You pick it up at whatever point you happen to pick it up, and it's there all the time, as though, as if... I were doing a live show and you tuned in at whatever point you did and got interested in it. But the, but the neat part about the radio loop is that uh, when you do, and assuming I've done a good enough job that day, you do get interested in the show. Uh, if it comes to an end, st- just stay there because, well, it's a loop. It repeats itself. A few seconds later, the show begins again, and you get to catch it all, not unlike the kitty Saturday matinee back in the day. Uh, I can remember the Burke Theater in the Bronx running as many as two, sometimes three different monster movies to keep the kids babysat while moms had a little free time uh, on a Saturday. Well, wouldn't be just the morning. It would probably take you well into the afternoon by then, too. That's how it was. Not so much how it is, but, but we still have a radio loop. One way or the other, catch us on our podcast feed, the first loop on our homepage, or the radio loop. And you're with us right now, and you've obviously made one of the two choices. So I will wish you, uh, what? Happy Black Friday? Is, uh, is that even wishable? I, I, I hope not. <laughs> I, I trust you had a, a good Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I did. We had a lovely time. We were, we were with friends. We were not able to get to um, family the way things were set up this year. But we were with friends, uh, fairly local, which was nice, not much driving involved, and had an absolutely delightful time. Uh, These particular friends are uh, as much family as anyone I could possibly imagine. Uh, And uh, the food was great, and and the conversation was great, and the the group of people that were there were great. Actually, I take that back. Wait a minute, we were. My, My... Oh, how could I have said that? Shame on me. Uh, Even though we were at Friends, uh, my uh, brother-in-law and his wife and and my mother-in-law showed up there. So yes, of course we had family there. I was was thinking of my immediate family on my own side and, well, I couldn't be with that. There's just so many ways you can combine groups of people on a given day, but we had a lovely time and I I hope you had the same. it's, it's an odd thing. This day, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, is, you know, con- considered to be sort of a, um, 
a food and other things, I would imagine, hangover sort of day. Uh, people just still kind of reeling from the sheer quantity that they've consumed uh, the day before. Uh, I, I don't think uh, I'm quite in that in that category. Here I am at, uh, and again the sun the sun isn't showing any sign of coming up just yet. So uh, uh, clearly uh, I'm doing well enough to do this show and be with you guys uh, this morning at this point. But there are a lot of things that are different about this day. Most people have the day off. Schools have the day off. The roads will be quieter. The big rush home will probably start more tomorrow and most certainly on Sunday, people who were driving from wherever they were. And uh, most work, most places of work would be closed. Most TV shows, if you're looking at the various uh, political talk shows and everything, they're all running old footage or, or they have stand-ins or something. No one has their usual schedule. It's, it's sort of a back-away-from-it kind of a day. And, and I'm going to kind of follow that thought process and the way um, we're going to do the show today. Um, rather than, than dive into the usual uh, political discourse or discussing uh, whatever it is that we feel needs to be discussed about, whether or not Donald has uh, finally been brought to justice, etc., etc., um, I, I want to tell you about a thought that uh, I, I had several days back. Several, several days back was, uh, ju just very recently, was the, let's see now, what was it? It was the, was it the, 49, the, the 59th anniversary of a very, very sad day in American history, the assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And on that day, um, in the evening, I was watching, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've become a, a big fan of the, I, I, I was never a fan while the original shows were running, but Bones, if you've ever seen the, bon the, 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 the show Bones, it's in, it's in syndication, it has been for a while, and uh, BBC America uh, carries many, they'll, they'll, they'll run through just, you know, a whole series of the different shows, and I've really become a huge fan of the show in, in, in retrospect. And I've found that in many cases that's been the case. I'm just not a big watcher of new shows as they come. But I'll get into a sort of a semi-binge mode on something that I really like. And especially if I don't have to keep figuring out how to get Netflix to come up or something like that. And I could just flick on a channel on the TV. Uh, call it an age thing if you like. That's, that's just sort of how I, how I function. In, in viewing. There was an episode that they did, and I believe it was done on the anniversary of the assassination, which would have been what? That was the, 20, the 22nd, I think, was the day that it happened. Or was it the 23rd? I don't Well, whatever it was. It was one of those, one of those days, very recently, 59 years. And what happens is, for whatever reason, the, the setup here of the show is that uh, 
the somebody's remains, and it's always a set of. Ultimately, it winds up being a set of bones. If you if you're not that familiar with the show, this is a group of forensic anthropologists working with the government, working with the FBI, out of a, a place called the Jeffersonian Institute in Washington, D.C. And it seems that every, every uh, semi-desiccated body, uh, th there's, there's always a body with nothing but a skull and a few shreds of, 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 of flesh on it and sounds something like would be unbearable, but it's done so regularly and done almost so it's so balderized that it's actually almost fun. I know that sounds crazy to say that, but the way they present uh, <laughs> badly uh, decomposed bodies gets almost humorous after a while. I suppose if you watch the show enough, you, you sort of get immune to the, to, the, to the full impact of what this is that you're watching. And of course, there's always, the show always begins with the discovery of a body by non-professionals, and they scream and they yell, and, and the music in the background becomes kind of whimsical and then you go into the actual solving the crime who killed who was this person a and b who killed them and then all the relationships of the various characters that's kind of what it's all about and it's well done very very well done um, for some reason in this particular episode the team is presented with a set of remains, just bones, a set of bones, uh, and they're asked to do nothing but identify the cause of death. Not, not, certainly not, in fact, they're specifically told by the people from the GSA, General Services Administration, I, I had no idea, I don't know if this is a true uh, possible extension of the type of work they would do, if this is the type of, uh, if they'd ever get, I, I have no idea. But for purposes of the show, one, uh, one federal agency, the General Services Administration, now approaches another, the FBI, and says, hi, you will be under our jurisdiction, and there's always intermural inter squabbles within government agencies over who has jurisdiction over what. You will be under our jurisdiction. This has been declared, and this is all verified, and yes, yes, you know, they're stuck doing it. You will tell us how the person's remains who were sending you died. Why is this so important? No one knows. No one says why. Well, you see in, in, in the show, you're, you're looking at your TV screen, and you suddenly realize, very, very evident, first, it's just a series of bones laid out on a table. That's, that's how every one of, their, one of their shows, episodes, ultimately, this, a, a series of remains in the form of, of, of cleaned bones is sitting on a table, and these forensic anthropologists, by examining these bones, and presumably they've already examined whatever tissue was available, they'd gotten rid of the tissue, and now they're using the bones to basically develop uh, additional or the ultimate information about cause of death. And for identification purposes, the skull would basically be given to a specialist 
who in turn now can, by, by virtue of reconstructing uh, the physical features and, and the muscle in the skin, give a very good indication of what this person looked like in life. Um, and the, the team is getting very interested in this whole thing. Why are we being asked? One glaringly obvious thing is that on the right-hand side of the skull, uh, on the upper part of the right-hand side of the cranium, there's a huge hole blown out of this thing, out of the skull. And uh, everybody is getting more and more curious. Well, remember, they've been told not to try to identify the individual. That should be the last thing they're doing. Just give a cause of death. Well, of course, that means that they're going to try to identify. Well, it winds up being a pretty close match uh, when, when they put the skin and the flesh on it to... John Fitzgerald Kennedy. For whatever reason, the government is re-examining the cause of death of John Kennedy. And any of us who were around at that time can remember the, the sheer shock of what happened. Then the Zabruder, the so-called Zabruder tape, the eight millimeter film, the Zabruder film, shot by some guy that was nearby, that actually showed the bullet hitting the side of JFK's skull, of Jackie racing to pick up something that was now sitting on the back of the of the trunk of the of the uh, opened, uh, I guess it was a Lincoln uh, that, that he was riding in, and just the, the sheer violence of what happened. Now we know that it's JFK, and they're supposedly trying to hide this fact that, of what they know from the General Service Administration, but they're still going through the cause of death. And what is absolutely brought out perfectly is that there were two bullets. There was no way in hell there could have been the murder of, of John Kennedy and the shooting of the was, it the, was it was it the governor of Texas who was riding in front of him? None of this could have happened with a single bullet. And they go through the whole thing and make it perfectly clear that this was a conspiracy to kill John Kennedy. And this is what we all expected, of course. This is what most people were believing with Jack Ruby and all the different things that happened, but the government kept denying. And, the, and then there was the, the famous Warren Commission and all the information that, no, in the end, the official report said, no, absolutely, it was one bullet, and Lee Harvey Oswald operated alone. It winds up that was, as we knew even then and know even better now, pure bullshit. Jack Kennedy, 35th president of the United States, was killed in a plot. And the fact that it was so obvious means that the Warren Commission basically was covering up what it knew was a plot, which still doesn't tell us everyone and everything else involved. But the reality of how garishly and blatantly the reality was being covered up uh, basically tells you that there was a lot to cover up. And the reasonable conclusion to be drawn is that there was an American president was killed by, by a conspiracy involving 
other Americans. This this is this is the thing that Jack Ruby was a fall guy for uh, you know, that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was a fall guy, and then they had to get rid of all of the the loose ends, including getting Jack Ruby killed and everything else that that went with it, and then coming out with a fake report. That's that's it. When you process that backwards, though, that meant in the early 60s, in the age of the Cuban Missile Crisis, in the age of near-nuclear Armageddon, as close as we've ever technically gotten to a nuclear war, short of whatever Putin might decide to do, or whatever China might someday do, or whatever North Korea might do, but we were on the verge, the story is documented, that just before this, within a year or so before this, uh, of, the, of, of the, the assassination, when the Cuban Missile Crisis was, was at full tilt, we were within one Russian general's acquiescence to what two other Russian generals had already agreed to do. In other words, flip the switch, turn the keys, and say, yeah, da, yes, and we'll fire, we'll fire. The third general wherever he was, if he was sitting on a submarine or on a ship on the way to Cuba, who was about to turn the switch and basically launch missiles at America, he demurred, he deferred. We came that close to nuclear Armageddon in the early 60s, and shortly after that, we had a an assassination plot, a successful murdering of an American, of an American president, presumably and, and, own, and reasonably, given the way the Warren Commission dealt with the information, with other Americans and most likely government people involved. This is about as ugly and insane a situation as you could possibly want to be in. I, I ask people who are in this constant sense of this is the end of the world about where America is right now and how the world is going in the wrong direction and just how frightening everything can be. Not that it helps to remember what it was like in 1960, I guess it was 1963, wasn't it? No, 60. 62, I, boy, shame on me for, forgive me for vacillating, but six decades back, if you were around, and I was a, I was a kid, I was a sophomore in high school when this happened, so now you can do the, do the math if you like, but it was a horrible, horrible, sinking, just, just the worst possible feeling, and we didn't even know just how bad and how close we had come to full nuclear all-out war at that point. And on top of this now, the, our, Camelot, our Camelot fantasies are destroyed. And we don't even, and we're not allowed to know, although everybody basically suspected, but the government kept arguing, no, 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 no. And the Warren Commission basically uh, kept ultimately uh, just reconfirming, no, it was one crazy guy who did this. We nearly had a nuclear war and we had an assassination, a successful assassination plot involving most likely government people in America to kill the president of the United States. 
now I, I I'm not trying to you know this is not one upmanship for horror shows, but I don't know how much worse you can get. Yeah, you can have a you can have a Donald Trump who, by dint of his you know his clinical narcissism can't see anything but what works to his advantage and sees the entire world and sees the presidency as an acquisition basically uh, to be used in any way he wants and and yeah we can we can we can make huge huge judgment errors and and we can and we can polarize the nation tremendously over something like this but I I, I I, I have to ask those who might remember that moment in history to remember how they felt and remember the, the, the sinking feeling that was in this country in the early 1960s and the sense that how will we ever, ever overcome this Maybe we were a bit more naive then, I don't know. We certainly didn't have social media. But we made use of, uh, video. well, the first use of videotape in television was the Kennedy inauguration. That would have been in 61. And here they're using it again to replay, replay, replay uh, the cortege, the funeral cortege carrying his body and all of the scenes of Jackie and the kids uh, at the gravesite. Uh, uh, when the body was in the rotunda, obviously closed coffin, they could, not, they could not show him in the form he was because of how horrible the wounds were to his head. They, they had attempted, there was supposed to be um, uh, a, a viewing of the body and they attempted to put a metal plate in his head, the story goes, to cover up uh, the surface that was completely exposed when the bone blew out. There was a decision made not to do that. I don't know if there was ever any kind of actual viewing of the body. Who knows how this worked out. But going back to the TV show, Bones, this is Jack Kennedy. And there were two bullets. And this is a show that was probably produced about 10 years ago. And we passed the holiday for the 59th anniversary of it all. And we did it while we're in the midst of what many people consider to be the ultimate pending destruction or breakdown of everything that would make this country livable or, or functional from a, from a constitutional perspective. We're basically, we're watching the shop fall apart. We're watching people being given a voice, the loonies, the, the, the rocks have been flipped over, the maggots have run, and we have crazies. We have a Marjorie Taylor Greene dictating to the probable new head of the House of Representatives, uh, Kevin McCarthy, what he's going to have to focus on and all the crazy things he'll have to do. She's a nut. And McCarthy is a piece of is a piece of very pliable rubber, 
and who was afraid, just like every other Republican is afraid, of those members and those components of the base that must be must be adhered to and, and listened to in order to win a primary or get an election uh, result that you want in any way, even if the loonies do not represent either the majority of the Republican Party or, my God, not the majority of the country. So it is this... It, we are watching the uh, the the the, uh, the the total dominance of a really generally when you add it all up small minority of total loonies running the place the the to, to use the old analogy the, the the crazies have taken over the asylum and to many people seeing that happen in the house is indicative of the fact that, well, you know, that's it. But, but, but what people don't focus on, and of course, and the, and the fact that, that, that Donald Trump still is unindicted, that after two years, and actually the four years that he was president, and then nearly two years now since the, uh, the, the, the insurrection, since January 6th, this guy is still walking around, not even with an ankle bracelet on. Okay? So... All of that leads people to, uh, in certain circles, uh, at cocktail parties and even during Thanksgiving events to talk about, well, you know, we're thinking of leaving. We're thinking of moving to, uh, we're thinking of moving to Costa Rica. We're thinking of moving back to India. We're you, you, you hear those conversations quite regularly from people who say it's just going the wrong way. Not only is the direction wrong, but there seems to be no no countervailing pressure. And I bring up this point to people who are thinking that way. It should be infinitely worse than it is to basically justify the doom and gloom scenario that many people have built up around our current circumstances. The Republicans should have massacred the Democrats given the, the, given the, the way the, the facts were stacked and history would have operated in the election that just passed. We had the lowest rating for the current president, who had both the House and the Senate as well. We basically would know that in a first election, in a, in a first midterm after an election of a new president, basically the ruling party, especially if that party has both the presidency, the House, and the Senate, gets massacred. Obama got massacred. Clinton got massacred. I mean, it was just horrible how badly things went then. This is nothing. We held, the Democrats held the Senate. I mean, that's like, how? How do you do that in, in a situation? And the inflation rate is up like crazy, and the cost of everything, and, and, and all of the COVID hangover that we're still hanging, and all of the differences in the country, and the exacerbation of everything through social media. And yet with all that, the country basically f beat the odds, as it were. It, it, we went, we, we, we basically said, no, we're not going to, not even, we're not even just to stay in line with the standard, you know, flipping of the party situation that would happen during a midterm 
set up like this one, and this was and this was stacked so in the Republicans' favor, it's hard to imagine. No, we fought that, and ninety something percent of the the seats in the House and the Senate stayed where they were. Now, ninety something percent of all seats where uh, whoever spent more money on the campaign, that person won. That's another story, but that's, that, that's, that's something else entirely. The flipping of Republican to Democrat was a, uh, or sorry, well, Democrat to Republican, which is, would have been anticipated here, was a relatively rare event, and it happened going from Republican to Democrat in more instances than not. The net result of all this is that the Republican Party that will take over control of the House for two years, presumably led by this, this, this spineless creature, this this you know, this shouter of, 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 of accusations about how bad Donald Trump was on one day and a week later he's kissing his ring at Mar-a-Lago. This, 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 this nothing, this nothing thing called Kevin McCarthy. Why, why he's even in, in the position he's in, I find fascinating, but it's indicative of just the general malaise of the Republican Party. And, 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 and indicative of why loonies like, like Marjorie Taylor Greene now will have undue power to do terribly stupid things and be completely political. And we're going to investigate this one. And we're going to investigate the people who investigated Donald Trump and the January 6th commission. And we're going to, and we're going to investigate Hunter Biden. And we're going to, and we're going to impeach Joe, Joe Biden. And we're going to get rid of members of, the, of his, of his cat. On and on and on and on and on and on. And it's all going to come to naught. Because people will see it for exactly what it is. Unprofessional, get evenness, it's just going to be yelling and screaming and it's going to be the antithesis if, if, if this goes the way I imagine. It will simply be a show, it'll be a red meat show for the, that small piece of the base that needs that red meat in order to feel connected with the people that it has to go out and vote for when the next primary comes up, which means, again, effectively, 10 to 15% of the country, when you really break it down, is basically governing the Republican Party, which is pretty sick. And yet, the Constitution held, and the courts have held largely. Supreme Court, I don't have much faith in these days, but once again, they allowed the turning over of Donald's uh, tax returns to the Congress. The, the entire structure of government did not collapse into the crapola that is the, the that seems to be the death wish of the Republican Party for the, themselves and the entire nation. And people can see where this will probably lead in 2024. That the Republicans are still on a self-destruct mode, hoping, wishing somehow we can, somehow Democrats help us get away from Donald Trump because we don't have either the balls or the, or the moral fortitude or anything else resembling good stuff that we say about America to do this on our own. We don't know how to do it. We only know that we'll win. We don't have any kind of moral or ethical underpinning because if we did, we would have gotten rid of Donald ages ago. 
But no, they can't do that. And so we're watching something play out. I, I don't want to try to compare literally. Maybe, well, I'm, I'm setting it up as a comparison. No, let's do that. Let's I mean, do you want to compare November of 1963, 62 or 63, I'm still struggling with the year. Do you want to, I think it was 63. Do you want to compare that? Yeah, November of 63. Yeah, 63, because the Beatles, well, I'm, I'm getting, I'm making a point about this. Ha! You want to compare that and where we were at and, and the real, real, real dangers that we faced. Not, not the bullshit that's out there, not, not the social media amplified crap, but do you want to talk about the real problems in the world and what we were on the verge of in 63, November of 63, with now. And looking back on this, and we will at some point, my feeling is most of it will be about showmanship and what happens when a complete charlatan is given reins, is given the, the reins of government? What kind of crap can be out there? What kind of lies? What kind of people can be allowed to tell lies? Yes, there are consequences for all of them. But the substantive stuff, like a president of the United States being assassinated by his own government and being one Russian general away from nuclear Armageddon, that kind of stuff is a little more, what, substantive than bullshit. And we're living in a period of unfettered, where bullshit is worshipped. And, 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 and we are basically living through our reaction to bullshit, where, where Donald Trump bullshits every day continually, but we have a government with governmental functions that, as frustrating as it may be, as, as, as slow-walking as the Justice Department may seem to be on all this, and with the appointment of, uh, what's his name, Jones now, there, there's, uh, there's some, some special counsel has been appointed by Merrick Garland who basically has a reputation for going right for the jugular when it comes to uh, prosecuting uh, dirty politicians. And so the assumption there is he will probably bring indictments against Trump in the very near, it should, it should be the near future because you got to do it before, you have to do it before, you want to get the trial out of the way in everything before you get to the primaries. Okay, Trump may have declared, but there isn't a primary year. He's not officially anything. He's just officially shooting his, his big stupid mouth off as usual. That's all he's official anything. And you want to get that all out of the way. And he's got what most legal scholars I've listened to, a slam dunk case in the Mar-a-Lago papers and probably could bring a hell of a good case on January 6th, although you'd have to really nail down the intention, and there seems to be some question about that. But you could definitely put Donald behind bars if you really wanted to, probably in, in, in very little time, 
bringing the January, uh, bringing the Mar-a-Lago papers case before a federal grand jury and then a trial. It would, it, it, there, there wouldn't be much to it. There's no real defense of it. And then whatever the hell's going to happen after that. You're going to get a bunch of people jumping up and down and yelling and screaming. And would we notice, would we notice the, the mass shootings that they might have been Trump-inspired as opposed to just stupidity and insanity and weak mind-inspired? Would we really understand that this mass shooting basically uh, is being branded for Trump? Uh, the, the shooter got online and said that I'm doing this because Donald got arrested or Donald got indicted or Donald got convicted. Would it really make that much difference to us? in this country. We're going to do X number of mass shootings one way or the other. And eventually, at least the Republicans then would be rid of Donald. And hopefully, Donald will be shut up. Hopefully, he, will, he may be kept uh, away from his public media sources. There may be a gag order, at least on the trial, temporarily. He would be prevented from ever running for public office, although technically, while on trial, he could run for public office, but the trick would be to get rid of, to get these, to get the trial out of the way before the actual primaries, the Republican primary process begins. That would be critical. And so, and Merrick Garland, again, by putting a special prosecutor there, is again, doing everything, bending over in every way possible for the history books, for the sake of the Constitution, for the sake of, of recognizing the seriousness of this, to basically get the, 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 the standard mechanisms of the Justice Department outside of this process. Make this special. Make it different. Make it all basically what it needs to be. Make us all realize just how serious it is to have this useless a piece of crap sitting in the White House and to perhaps encourage us not to want to do it again. One way or the other, all the polls at least right now say that Trump doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning. So back to the basic question. How, how bad is, or how cold is it, Johnny, if I can make the joke, the old Ed McMahon thing, you know, when Johnny, well, okay. How bad is it? I would, and I, I was a kid. I was a little kid. I was, I was a sophomore in high school. The, the, the sinking, horrible, horrific feeling and going from the Cuban Missile Crisis to, to what had happened, what happened then with, with Kennedy. And, 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 and I must add something else to this that, that makes it really personalized. Um, my uncle uh, was the head of public relations for the East Coast of the United States Army at that time. And he and a number of other people were within a small circle of people who were, had to be made fully aware of what the potential dangers were as these Russian ships were approaching Cuba. Because the, likelihood, the intelligence we had figured that New York 
and 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 different army depots were on were potential obvious targets if there were going to be a nuclear strike. My uncle knew, found out that the, how close he he knew the whole story about the three Russian generals. And he would come home at night. I'd stay down at his house. Uh, I'd be there during the summer. I spent most of my summers down there in Brooklyn. And he came in in the evening, and there were several evenings when he didn't come home, where he slept at the Army terminal. But when he did come in on one particular day, his face was flushed. This was not my Uncle Bud. I, I, I knew what he was like. He was a great guy. He was a friend to me. He was, he was a father to me in many, many ways. And... He knew, and even, even to the end of his life, he couldn't discuss it. But he let me know in, in sort of uh, uncertain ways that he was aware of just how serious that situation was. And this, this is where the world was in 1963. Here's where we are now in 2022. Can we get past where we are? Well, I go back to 1963. Stupid, dumb, obvious question. Did we get past the assassination of John Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis? Have, did we get past it? Well, we're here. We did. Did America survive? Was there a constitutional democracy that somehow made it through that period and survives to today? I think overwhelmingly the answer would be yes. Arguably, uh, with ups and downs and every kind of thing that is built in to the democratic or the liberal democratic constitutional bicameral process that we have, and it's ugly and and it's still an experiment. And you know, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, you know of. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was asked in Paris, Mr. Franklin, will it be a republic that you'll come up with ultimately when you finish your, your, all your discussions in Philadelphia? Will it be a republic? And his answer, historically, yes, if we can keep it. Now, we've kept it. This last election was a pushback against the insanity and stupidity that the Republican Party has allowed itself to drift into. It is a reprimand to the foolishness that comes, that, that, is, that is evidenced in the selection and the continuing embrace of Donald Trump. It is, it is a reminder of the incapacity of one party to readjust itself to the electoral realities that are still governing our system. Americans, thank God, ain't that stupid. We're just not. We'd like to believe that we are completely victims of this whole Trumpian stupidity and everything that's gone with it, but we're not. Yes, we have to deal with the nuclear reality of a Putin and maybe a Kim Jong-un. 
and God knows maybe a China. But we've dealt with this kind of insanity before. We've dealt with worse. We've, we've dealt with some pretty bad stuff. Can everything go wrong? Can we find ourselves in a nuclear war? Can the Republicans actually reelect Donald Trump? Can he attempt to turn the country into a complete, uh, uh, into a complete autocracy with him at the head? Can, can others around him with far more brains and far more motivation basically turn us into a fascistic state? Is it possible? Yeah. But is it just as likely that we somehow work our way through this? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to say it is. And, and here is the difference between hope and hopelessness. Here's, here's where the rubber really meets the road. I really, in reflection, take this election that we just had. <laughs> Herschel Walker in Georgia called it an erection. I kid you not. Look for, you'll see it online someplace. Oh, another story. Well, there'll be a special, the special, the special erection in Georgia is coming shortly. Herschel, good luck. Um, I, I see this as evidence of the, the need for Americans to maintain this centralized, this, 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 this moderated form of government, governing from the center, even if in this instance it involves moving the Republicans temporarily, a completely damaged Republican Party, into control of the House. But that control is basically three seats strong. I'll repeat that. Three seats if three Republicans can basically, Republicans who may have won in areas that were previously won by, by Biden uh, two years ago and realize that if they ever want to get elected to Congress again, cannot go along with the total insanity of the agenda that will be fostered by uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and her ilk, the all, all, all bullshit investigation all the time, all yelling and screaming, all fist pounding all the time, that realize that they really can't possibly imagine retaining control of Congress doing that, certainly not as Republicans. Three of them, three of them is all it takes if the Democrats are basically holding strong. And in things against this, if there's any votes involving committees of this sort... You're going to get, and I, I, I'm predicting this, you're going to get three, Dem three Republicans to cross the aisle and say, I don't want anything to do with this. No, if there's, if there's a procedural vote that has to come up on this, you're going to get three Republicans. I can't say it'll be on every vote, but there'll be a number of essential votes keeping something like this going or keeping the shenanigans and the stupidity going, where Republicans knowing the reality of the political landscape and realizing the absolute non-possibility of Donald getting elected, if God forbid he should be nominated, and seeing what's coming down the pike from the Justice Department and knowing his total exposure, you're gonna get more crossover from Republican to Democrat. 
and we'll begin slowly to change all this. Now, how did we get out of it in 196, or from what had happened in November of 63? I have thought about that. And I can't tell you exactly what led up to it. And I'm not sure if this was so much the triggering event or if it was just this incredibly bright landmark in the process of a transition that probably was underway that we didn't recognize until we were in it. But I, I, I have bookends on two things in my mind. One is on the assassination of John Kennedy, and the other bookend is the night the Beatles sang She Loves You on the Ed Sullivan Show. And if you were around at that time, you knew that something changed. The, the hopelessness, the emptiness, the, 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 the vacuity, the, the, the sinking feeling, the, the fall, the constant sense of falling, the loss that we felt there from John Kennedy suddenly got filled up with hopefulness and, 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 and thoughtfulness and, and maybe an innocence, you could call it, in the early June Moon type lyrics, but She Loves You was sung with such vibrance and such, and such hopefulness and it was appealing to the youth of the country to do what youth of countries have done, I would like to imagine, from time immemorial. Get your energy into the mix. Make your feelings part of what resurrects the rest of us out of our malaise. And then the, the, the 60s happened. And they happened... Again, for better or worse. Well, this is America. It's a democracy. We are a very imperfect union, but we are striving to constantly make it a more perfect union. And it doesn't mean that we'll ever reach perfection. But the whole trick is we strive for it. It's the doing. Right now, we have one party that is in a state of total malaise and can't do anything, but yell, scream, bitch, moan, jump up and down, but it can't free itself of the malaise. It is falling. But the country doesn't as a whole, and democracy is all about the ultimate choices of the majority, the majority of this country doesn't want to stay in or fall through a rabbit hole and lose it all. No, our last election told us that. It's telling me that. It's giving me the hope to believe that we don't have to go down the rabbit hole. This is not our fate. That we have a way out. Now, will it be some kind of a youth-based thing? Will there be a Beatle equivalent? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see any on the horizon. You know, will it be some K-pop group that suddenly... I don't know. But I, I would like to believe 
that youthful enthusiasm and hopefulness, as expressed in voter turnout, there could have been more, it could have been better, but it's getting there. I'd like to believe that the kids, the kids, the people up to, let's say, even their mid-30s that I know, who don't have the prejudices that we had back in 63, that are not, that are not tied down by the preconceived notions and, and hatreds, the casual hatreds that we were able to express because we were just ignorant and that we had to learn as we went. We have a much brighter, sharper group of kids, kids up to 30, when you're my age, yeah, 35, okay. But there, there is a much more integral and much more thoughtful group out there. Yeah, there are assholes who are out there. Who, yeah, Daddy, I want my AR-15. Sorry to sound Southern, but okay, that's just what it was that time. It came out that way. I'll, I'll say it with a Northern Midwest accent the next time. We have too much of that. Joe Biden, to his credit, is going to try to outlaw uh, assault rifles in America in the next week or so, join the lame duck, which we should have done, which, which damn, damned forever uh, George Bush 40, uh, 46, Bush, you know, the second Bush, for just allowing the law that was a 10-year law banning assault rifles. No, he just let it sunset. You can have your assault rifles back. They got to him. The NRA got to him. He will try this one today. This is step one. This is the obvious attempt to undo the insanity. To say, wait a minute, let, let's get rational here. And let the Republicans, senators, and let the House vote against it and do whatever the hell they're supposed to do. And let, them, uh, let the 60-vote process and the filibuster, let it all stop it dead in its tracks. But these are the steps that we have to and must take and will eventually take because I believe we are going to survive. And then, once we are aware of our own capacity, we're, we're fairly confident that we are going to survive, we will once again build and flourish. And I consider the 60s a remarkably constructive time in terms of, of how we change. Think of all the civil rights legislation. Think of the new society legislation. Think of all of that stuff that happened. And yes, it happened against the backdrop of the Chicago riots, and it happened against all of, all of the uh, burn, baby, burn. And, but we... We produced a change. We, we got rid of another layer of our insanity. We had to do it. Unfortunately, sometimes it, it comes in a not-so-delightful way. We may see more of that here in the months and years ahead. But I have to believe that America has the capacity and will ultimately survive what it's going through right now. The Republican Party will somehow recuperate. It will probably have to reemerge as something more akin to a constitution-supporting institution. It can't just be again. It can't be, it can't be the party of Trump. It cannot be. It will not be. And we may come up with an entirely new party altogether. Who the hell knows how this will work out? But, but, I, but I wish you 
in this Thanksgiving season, this, this Friday, this Black Friday, Black referring, of course, to the, to the uh, ledgers of, of most merchants, yes, we'll be in the black. No, it doesn't mean black like ugly and nasty and mean, and I often wondered about that, but we're in the black is what it means, basically. Black Friday, it's, it's from a merchant's perspective. As, as we come through this, take hope, okay? Don't, 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 don't assume where do I have to move? You know, where, where would be nice in Canada? Where is it not so cold in Canada? Oh, I hear Vancouver's nice. Where, where in Costa Rica would be a good place to... No, 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 no. You don't have to. You don't have to. We can still make this place work. It's still got possibilities. That's what making a more perfect union means. And we have no shortage of prior information and examples to look to, to realize that we've been in pretty bad straits before, but damn it, we've come through. And we've come through rather nicely, actually. So let's just do it. I, it's, it sounds simplistic, but let's just do it. I wish you all a, the happiest of Thanksgiving and holiday seasons and go with what we've always said these seasons are supposed to be about. Hope! Yeah, I know people get very depressed during the holidays. A very dear friend of mine who's a psychiatrist basically said that, you know, the, the thing about, the thing that works with the hol or that doesn't work with the holidays is that we're suddenly supposed to be gleeful and happy and everything. He says, as opposed to thanks, uh, as opposed to Halloween, where we go through this whole acceptance of spooks and goblins and everything else, and, and in the end, we're able to kind of tolerate what comes. Thanksgiving is close enough to, <laughs> Thanksgiving is close enough to Halloween that it kind of gets the benefit of having expelled and defeated all of the demons and the ugliness. Christmas is on its own, and New Year's as well. You're just supposed to suddenly get happy about the whole thing. We've been through tough times. Let's use that to dispel the demons of self-doubt about the future of our country, realizing that we've been there before, if for no other reason, knowing we've been there before. We call this center-left radio the progressive voice of hope, hope, politics and jazz. It's time for a little more hope. We can do it. No one hands it to us. We have to generate it. Well, at least as far as this show is concerned, we like to try to generate it. We, we like to get into the mood for hope generation with a little more jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Central Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. It is too easy, too easy to sit there and bemoan and wail and look at the worst of what we are and saying it's indicative of never being able to get out of where we are as a nation right now with all of the dichotomy and all of the, uh, the anger. But we've been in worse and we've gotten through it. And by God, we can do it again with hope.